the study like still provides some of the most remarkable or significant findings so far in this kind of Alzheimer's work. It is pretty incredible to see a positive study given the history of the disease. Even those mild changes can give clues to understanding Alzheimer's more. That's Gabrielle Mason, a staff writer here at Fierce Biotech. Later, we'll hear more from her about the latest from the Clinical Trials on Alzheimer's Disease Conference. I'm Teresa Carey, and this is The Top Line from Fierce Biotech, Fierce MedTech, and Fierce Pharma. Today is Friday, December 9th. Stick with us. We've got all the biopharma and medtech industry news you need. Neuralink is under fire for its animal testing practices, and this isn't the first time. As Andrea Park reports, earlier this year, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine accused Neuralink of mistreating the monkeys it uses to test its brain implants. And now the U.S. Department of Agriculture is investigating. Neuralink is developing a brain implant that it hopes will one day help humans telepathically operate their phones and computers as if I wanted to be more connected to my phone than I already am. (laughs) Last week, Elon Musk live-streamed an update on his company, Neuralink. Throughout the live stream, Musk shared several videos of Neuralink's monkeys using the brain implant to control computer cursors and play games. He assured the viewers that the monkeys seem pretty happy, pointing out that they're regularly given banana smoothies and other tasty snacks. Also during the update, Musk suggested that Neuralink is only six months away from human trials of the brain implant, and he vowed to one day get the implant himself. Garbage in, garbage out. That's what they say in computer science. It's the idea that nonsense input data results in nonsense output. And in AI and healthcare, poor data can have real-world implications. Take this project from Google's DeepMind division and the Department of Veteran Affairs. As Connor Hale reports, when their AI program for predicting acute kidney injury was rolled out in 2019, doctors were excited. Kidney failure can be common among people hospitalized for other conditions, and catching it early can save lives. But a new study from the University of Michigan concluded the AI is much less accurate when analyzing female patients. The reason? poor input data. Only 6% of the data used to train the AI was collected from women. But even after adding data from more women, the issue persisted when screening groups of veterans, and in some cases performed even worse. So it seems like adding more data is not a quick fix. The early trends used to train the model were already baked in to the algorithm. And it's like you can't take the extra egg out of the cake batter after you put it in the oven. It's baked in. Well, the findings are troubling, the researchers said, because they also mean that female veterans may be receiving significantly different treatment than men at the VA. PI3K is a type of enzyme that transmits signals in cells, and these signals help control cell growth. The idea is that by inhibiting these enzymes, it also puts the brake on cancerous cell growth. Seems promising, but as far as PI3Ks go, things aren't working out. First, Gilead Sciences pulled an accelerated approval for its drug because of trial enrollment issues. Then, Insight withdrew a submission for its drug because it wouldn't be able to complete confirmatory trials on time. And now, Kiowa Curin and MEI Pharma have stopped development of their PI3K 
outside of Japan. And that's because new evidence suggests that PI3K inhibitors may shorten life expectancy. So the FDA has taken a harder stance on that class of drugs. Coming up next, we'll hear from Annalie Armstrong and Gabrielle Mason about the clinical trials on Alzheimer's disease conference. And later, what put Rigel Pharmaceuticals on notice? An update on the bidding war for Horizon Therapeutics and more news. But first, an announcement. Coming up in January is our Fierce JPM Week. It's going to be an exciting gathering of some of the greatest minds in pharma and healthcare. During the conference, we'll take stock of current trends, talking about the issues to watch for in 2023. And we'll also talk about innovation strategies. Join us on January 10th in San Francisco or catch us on January 17th through 19th for the virtual programming. Look for the link to sign up in our show notes at FiercePharma.com. And now the latest on Alzheimer's disease. Last week, senior editor Annalie Armstrong and staff writer Gabrielle Mason covered the Clinical Trials on Alzheimer's Disease Conference, or CTAD. They've been following Alzheimer's for some time now, but we're pretty excited by this year's conference. Here's what they had to say. So Gabby, last week was pretty busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> last week was the Clinical Trials on Alzheimer's Disease Conference, which is usually pretty sleepy. There's not a lot going on, um, but that was not the case this year at all. No, definitely not. It was so hectic. The news and presentations kind of kept rolling in. Yeah, so we had all of the major companies that have Alzheimer's drugs in the works involved. So Genentech, Eli Lilly, ISI, and others. They were all presenting data on their latest Alzheimer's drugs. And there were a lot of headlines. Mm -hmm. What what would you say do you think was the biggest one from the event? It's kind of hard to pick, but I think we have to go with ISI. This has been a big story this fall. They had a drug that actually did effect change in Alzheimer's patients. Um, it helped slow cognitive decline in a phase three trial in September. But since then, things have kind of come back down to earth. There were the reports of two patient deaths that were reportedly caused by the treatment. Uh, and at, at CTAD, they actually presented some more data. They now have autopsy data on at least one of those patients. We spoke to two executives and they believe that the deaths were not caused by the drug. The deaths were attributed to brain bleeds. Um, this is a specific type of bleed that's that's known for this class of drug. It's called ARIA. The execs that we talked to suggested that um, these brain bleeds are just kind of something that we're going to have to accept uh, for this class of treatment. Um, they said that patients and their doctors are going to have to have some careful discussions about the risks of treatment, which happens anyways, but in this case, it's, it's going to have to be elevated. Um, but ultimately, they think that patients are, are going to be inclined to go forward with treatment um, because, you know, anybody who has Alzheimer's wants a shot at improving their cognitive function or slowing decline. So um, that's that's hopefully what will happen. Yeah, it, it's hard because the study like still provides some of, you know, the most remarkable or significant findings so far for in this kind of like Alzheimer's work. So it is it is pretty incredible to see a positive study getting given, you know, the history of the disease. Even those mild changes can kind of give clues um, to understanding Alzheimer's more and hopefully ultimately get it, the treatment in the hands of patients who really need it. Yes. And hopefully ISI is on track for doing that. I believe mm-hmm. they, they think they can wrap up their um, filing by the, in the beginning of next year. And so we could see another treatment on the market. 
Um, so Gabby, you covered one of my favorite Alzheimer's studies, Eli Lilly versus Biogen. So what happened at CTAD with this head-to-head trial? So basically, this phase three trial pitted Lilly's drug, Denonumab, which doesn't yet have FDA approval, against Biogen's and ISI's approved Agihome. So the study enrolled 148 patients, which is fairly small, with um, early symptomatic Alzheimer's. So the new data that was shared shows that Denonumab reduced brain amyloid plaque levels by about 65% after six months compared to baseline. So while Agihelm reduced levels by 17% at six months. So overall, almost 38% of those patients receiving Denonumab saw brain amyloid clearance compared to 1.6 of Agihelm treated patients. I have been waiting for the results of this one <laughs> since Lily's CEO, David Ricks, boldly declared that he knew they would win. So it's really interesting to see the study results from that one. I, I wonder if this reads through to their uh, data that's going to be coming out next year. Did they say anything about that when you interviewed them? Yeah. So Lily's study is still ongoing. The data we talked about is from a six-month readout. So they're kind of set to have more data at 12 and 18 months. So you can you can do the math from now if you want yeah. to. But basically, those readouts will give us more info about, you know, clinical benefit and whether the clearance can like grow over time, which is especially important since Agihelm typically takes a little longer to kick in. So what do you think about Rick's comments now after taking a look at <laughs> well, that study? <laughs> I think he was definitely right, despite Agihelm kind of fading from the market after, you know, a pretty troubled launch. Um, the trial is still fairly informative for the field. I, I do also want to note that the head-to-head trial, it, it's fairly small and doesn't have a clinical correlation measure built into the study. So basically, we don't know yet if the amyloid clearance will slow the progression of Alzheimer's. But th- there's been no study like this. Um, so far. So it is super, super interesting regardless. Yes. And as journalists, we love to see two big pharmas pitted mm-hmm. against each other voluntarily too. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. on the part of Eli Lilly, they're the ones that started the study. So it was very cool. Um, so another big thing we saw at CTAD is the aftermath of Genentech's phase three failure for gantanarumab which was reported last month. Um, we sensed that the Roche unit might wind down activities for this therapy after that study failed. Uh, and we finally saw some of those tough decisions happen. So they definitely detailed some more results from that phase three trial. Basically, they believed that the amyloid clearance was just not enough to um, affect any change on cognitive impairment. Um, So now Genentech told us that they're going to be winding down a bunch of trials because they suspect they will have the same outcome as what happened with the phase three studies that failed. So, you know, they chalk that up to the fact that gentanarumab didn't remove enough amyloid. They have not definitively said if they're going to shut down development of the drug altogether. They still have... uh, a version of it in the clinic that uses what they call brain shuttle technology that they're hoping will kind of boost the therapy and and give it more effect. But that's pretty long ways out. Um, It's not the first time this drug has failed. So I, you know, we'll see what Genentech does if the cancellation of these studies is kind of the writing on the wall. So just to clarify, Genentech's drug didn't remove amyloid, whereas iSize drug did. Yes, that's apparently so. And and that's why ISI believes they have a winner where Genentech mm. did not. 
you know, the theory is that removing these sticky plaques in the brain can slow cognitive decline. Genentech, Lily, and ISI have all said that if only they could get their drugs administered sooner in the course of the disease, they could stop or slow the cognitive decline. So, Gabby, Lily is the last big company to report their highly anticipated results. When can we expect that? So, like I said before, the data we talked about that was shared last week is a six-month readout. But Lily is also running four other studies on their drug and expects a readout for a separate phase three study in the spring. Awesome. So the last thing I wanted to flag from CTAD um, is J&J announced that they're opting in on one of two Alzheimer's vaccines that they've been researching with partner AC Immune. Wow, that would be incredible to have an Alzheimer's vaccine, wouldn't it? That would be a pretty cool future. AC Immune and J&J are taking a slightly different approach than the therapies that we've already talked about. They're going after tau rather than amyloid, in the hopes that unraveling these protein tangles in the brain can slow cognitive decline. So yeah, that was our week. It was all Alzheimer's all the time. Um, it was it was fun to catch up on all these studies and really cool to see what's coming. I think I remember last year around this time feeling like this year was going to be really huge for Alzheimer's, and it certainly was. But now it's it's kind of exciting that we're looking at yet another year full of big milestones and maybe hopefully a treatment that works. Yes, definitely um, crazy to see kind of all the research come to a head, especially at the same time. But like you said, will be so exciting to see where the data takes us. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting. Yeah, definitely. The NASDAQ Stock Exchange recently sent a letter to Rigel Pharmaceuticals, putting the company on notice. This is what happens when your share price drops below $1 for 30 straight days. Translation, shape up or ship out. As Kevin Dunleavy reports, it didn't take long for Rigel to right the ship. Just 10 days later, the FDA approved Rigel's leukemia drug, Reslidia. It came as a bit of a surprise, as the FDA's decision wasn't due until February 15th. Reslidia has been approved to treat acute myeloid leukemia, or AML in those with a specific genetic mutation. That mutation is called IDH1. In a trial, 35% of patients on Reslidia achieved complete remission with an average duration of 26 months. Reslidia stacks up to the competition, which happens to be the only other drug approved for AML with IDH1 mutation. Reslidia is Rigel's second approved drug. It also should help Rigel get back in the good graces of NASDAQ. Johnson & Johnson has bowed out of the bidding war for Horizon Therapeutics, for now at least. As Fraser Kensteiner reports, Johnson & Johnson released a statement that says it doesn't intend to make an offer for Horizon. Still, J&J maintains the right to go back on its statement in the next six months. That means it could still make an offer in the future. That leaves Sanofi and Amgen in the running to buy Horizon, and both companies say they'll come to the bargaining table with cash. Horizon has warned that a deal may not take place in the end, and there's no guarantee a bidder would aim to take over the entire company. Pfizer announced three manufacturing expansions across Europe and the U.S. Altogether, Pfizer would invest more than $3 billion at sites in Ireland, Belgium, and the United States. As Fraser Kansteiner reports, Pfizer kicked things off with a 1.2 billion euro expansion in Dublin, Ireland. The project is expected to double capacity for biological drug substance production. 
it will also increase lab space and create up to 500 new jobs. Just one day after Pfizer announced the expansion, Pfizer also unveiled a matching 1.2 billion euro upgrade for its campus in Belgium. The Belgian expansion is designed to bring on more firepower for manufacturing, cold storage, and packaging at the site, plus 250 new jobs. And while much of the attention is in Europe, Pfizer is showing its U.S. manufacturing facilities some love, too. Specifically, Pfizer will plug $750 million into its facility in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and create around 300 new jobs. Pfizer's goal in Kalamazoo is to create one of the most advanced sterile injectable plants in the world. All three sites are a part of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine production network. That's it for The Top Line. I'm senior producer Teresa Carey. Our sound engineer is Caleb Hodgson. You can find out more about these topics in our show notes at FiercePharma.com. Look for podcasts. Don't forget to follow The Top Line on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen. And that's The Bottom Line from The Top Line. The Top Line.